Hey everybody, welcome to episode 18 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. All I, things indie film. <laughs> he loves interrupting me. Yeah. I am one of your hosts, Ashia Dumont. I'm another host, uh, Paul Robinson, the interrupting Paul Robinson. Yes. It's um, like that interrupting cow joke yes, or whatever. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we are here today with Eileen Gruba, who is uh, an, an actor, director, producer, writer. She does it all. Uh, like so fifty hats. Yes, you 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 have <laughs> you you get the the award for all the hats. So uh, tell us about yourself. Oh well, gosh, I've been acting for many many years. It was uh, my first love in our industry, and still is my favorite thing to do. Um, and then through the years, I just started doing a lot more. I worked in casting for a lot of years, and then you know I started writing many years ago, and I always enjoyed that, and that's been growing and growing and. Um, I started directing some years ago and, and have a few more things going in that direction and producing, producing to me is easy. Um, <laughs> I actually like producing. It's like throwing a party, I think. Um, and I mean, it's a lot of hard work, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit of all of it. I'm, I'm in rehearsals for a play right now. We just finished production on an indie that we did a short for the film festivals that I did with a some amazing people from the actor's studio, Barbara Bain and um, Sandra Curry. And we had it directed by a 50 plus year veteran director, Alan J. Levy. So uh, that's fun. And <laughs> and I wrote it. So that was fun. Awesome. And um, it's about to go out to festivals. And always, I always have 400 things going at once. I have two, two TV series that I'm writing that are moving up forward. <laughs> so... When I had kind of looked up your work, um, you had been a character on Sons of Anarchy, correct? Was it Precious Ryan? Yes, Precious what Ryan. Was that, what was that experience like? Oh, it was so much fun. Um, the guys are great on that show. They all were just so nice and so easy. And it was a, it's a little tough scene, you know, coming in because I punch my ex-husband Bobby in the face and <laughs> have a fight. And, you know, so that it was a really fun role. And um, it was supposed to carry on, but uh, something happened with one of the other actors and they had to write out the storyline. So I didn't get to stick around long, mm-hmm. but that character made such an impact. It really um, opened up my uh, career quite a bit. And also it, it landed me in a position where a lot of people were asking me to come and speak at events and show up for fundraisers for veterans and all kinds of stuff. And um and I was thrilled to do that. I ended up uh, getting a lot more doors open because of that, mm-hmm. because it had such an impact. And later I, I realized it's because the fan base for Sons of Anarchy was like, wow, finally there was a woman on the show who survived. Yeah. <laughs> survived it and got her kids out of the mess. Yeah. Managed to rescue her children from that club. And I was like, huh, that's true. <laughs> I'm not- one who got out alive with my kids so i keep trying to you know put the word out in the universe that they should now do the women of anarchy yeah, yeah right and seriously yeah, those of us who lived and uh yeah 
Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> they, would, they would probably do some stupid like reality show like Wives of the Anarchy. Yeah. But Women of Anarchy would be a blast. That would be. That would be amazing. Well, yeah, we have a – I mean, I guess there's quite a following for that show because we had a friend – um, and we were just talking about some upcoming guests that we had. And when we had mentioned you, he was like, who, 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 who was she? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, re- he was, he was really excited about that. And, um, I, I've been meaning to get into the show. The reason why I hadn't was because my coworkers kept talking about it while it was going on. So it's like, I was hearing about all the deaths and I was like, can you not, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I'd, spoiled for I'd, you. I'd go you in. You hear about uh, Precious Ryan a lot more than you see her actually on the show, which is unfortunate because it was so much fun. Yeah. I kept watching, waiting for it to come back. And then we got the call. My agent got the call that the storyline had to be written out. And I was like, oh, man, come on. It's Sons of Anarchy. Let me kill the actor that we're yeah. having problems with and come to the club for help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that didn't happen. Oh. There's always hope. Yeah. There's always hope. So now, um, you, I had actually found you through uh, a, a page on Facebook that I follow for Actors with Disabilities. And this is something, you know, when we started the the podcast, I wanted to be able to talk about, um, you know, uh, a a cultural appropriation in in this business, disabilities, women in this business, discrimination that that exists. And, you know, it isn't to say that I haven't seen able-bodied actors do amazing jobs at playing a character, of course they have, you know, especially if they're a very strong actor. But I always think of the irony of, you know, an actor having to practice having a disability when there's so many people with that disability that are like, hey, I got this. You know, this is the one thing not, I got. Trust me. Yeah. And not only ha- that the, the irony of that, but also the fact that they're not allowed to audition for those other roles. Mm-hmm. So when there is a role with a disability I mean, come on, if you're ever going to let them audition for something, let it be the uh, the roles that they are perfectly physically fit for. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's it's been part of the battle of my entire career, which is going on, you know, 27 years in this industry. You know, at first I was quite surprised by it. You know, um, I was acting in Atlanta while I was having my legs rebuilt and everything. And uh they were always accommodating. They, you know, I did musicals. I did, I did everything there. But I outgrew the town quite fast because back then Atlanta only had two casting directors, not mm-hmm. a lot of shows, not a lot going on. So I moved to New York, and New York was the first time I faced a little bit of um, discrimination. Because long story short, I have a spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. C1 to C4. Um, when I was less than five years old, I got a bad vaccine for school. It nearly killed me, put me in a wheelchair, paralyzed me from the waist down. Um, you know, for many years, they thought it was polio that had attacked my spine. But just a couple of years ago at UCLA, they figured out that it was a, a different virus, not polio. Uh, they could see the spinal cord injury still. And um, so I move like a spinal cord injury walker. Mm-hmm. And um, but, you know, you can you can hide it if you want to. Um, most of the time (laughs) and I still have all the challenges of a person with a spinal cord injury and through the years I've had a lot of surgeries while, you know, being in this industry up and down from surgeries. So back in wheelchairs, back on crutches, back with braces, I had a brace, uh, an AFO brace up to my knee on my left side for 20 years and just two more major surgeries 
over the last two years that took me out of the game for a while. And, uh, and now I don't have a brace and I, you know, probably have, you know, my limp is now even, maybe it's even more noticeable. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but like, it shouldn't matter. Right. Oh yeah. And through the years, as I, especially when I moved to LA and the, I, I saw how people just couldn't accept a female with a visible flaw. Right. You just couldn't accept that. Like, and I had many people even say to me, well, if you're a man, it wouldn't be a problem, but you're a woman. You have to be yep. perfect yep. in it, our industry. There's enough you have going against you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to have that, it's just like, yeah. it's, you give them an out, you give them an easy exactly. out. When yeah. There's anything um, different or wrong with you. They like, you know, the way they see it. So I began the battle and years ago I had this wonderful friend named Danny Murphy who was a quadriplegic. He was in all the Farrelly Brothers movies. We miss you, Danny. Um, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he and I way back, way, way back, used to just go rolling in the offices, speaking up for people with disabilities. And uh, I used to walk behind his chair and I would wear these really long flowy skirts so no one could see my uh, movement. I'd push his chair and then he'd let me talk because I'm so passionate about it and people didn't understand why. I was so passionate about it, mm. about the cause, because, you know, they didn't know. But little by little, as they started to discover that I had a limp and, a, you know, some broken parts, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the door started shutting and fast. And I, so I went through a lot of my 20s and, in, and well into my 30s, um, not being able to audition for anything, getting like two auditions a year, which is insane because, you know, Way early, 20 something years ago, I auditioned for the actor's studio and I went all the way to finals on my first audition. Wow. I got in pretty oh. fast and they didn't know me at all. And they're not easy. It's very hard to get into the actor's studio. Yeah. So then I was being coached by Alan Miller and Barbara Bain and Martin Landau and Mark Rydell and Catlin Adams, the most amazing coaches in our industry. I mean, Alan Miller has coached, you know, Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand since she was his babysitter. And you know, Barbara Bain's a multi-Emmy winner, Martin Landau, Oscar winner, you know, and they were all just like, you know, you have to keep going. You're at the top of the skill level in this industry. And there were a lot of years that I was like, what good is it to be constantly training and so, so skilled at what you do? And no one will even look. That's like having a top of the line Ferrari finely tuned and polished sitting in your garage under a car cover. Mm. Yeah, right. Like, what good is that going to do anybody? Um, so it was a very frustrating battle. And, you know, after the last, you know, I, I then in my 30s went through a cancer battle, um, had a bunch more surgeries. And when the surgeries and stuff started adding up and I wasn't even making my health insurance, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I have nothing left to lose. I am going to battle this industry until it changes. And I started getting louder and getting more press. I don't even have a publicist with all the stuff I'm doing. And I'm going like nonstop now, speaking all over the nation. I got to go to England and sit down with Stephen Hawking and discuss this subject. Wow. And, um, you know, I've been literally, I spoke at the FBI last week. They streamed it all over the country. So what I started doing was building the groundswell publicly because the public is ready whether the industry wants to be or not 
the public is ready. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if this industry is not going to let me work, I'm going to spend the rest of my life shoving the public onto this industry saying we want real inclusive casting. We want an all-inclusive industry because if we're willing to open up the industry to all differences, that includes all differences mm-hmm. because every human being has a reason they're supposed to be here and they are missing out on some of the richest talent and the depth of emotion that you only get when you've gone through extreme adversity and you know a lot of times I turn on the TV and I watch these shows and I can tell you which shows are going to be canceled like this because their leads bore me yeah and maybe it's because my heightened reality but I also worked in casting for 20 years and I'm like why do we keep picking you know, flawless, young, underweight, boring people who've never had a life, why don't we cast for real? Real women, you know, a lot of times they say, well, people aren't watching the shows where we put strong women. I'm like, because you're not hiring strong women. Yeah, You've got to hire women who've been through some stuff, who who don't mind wearing tennis shoes when they're the FBI agent racing Mm -hmm. after that. Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, like, really, like somebody I believe would have the courage to really stand up to somebody frightening in real life. Yeah. And, you know, I know I'm very bold about all this, but I, I, I literally got to a place where I was like, I've got nothing left to lose but to speak up loudly and make sure that the next round of kids coming up into this industry don't face the same discrimination that I faced and that some of my friends are still facing. And I'm, you know, finally getting to this tipping point where my resume is bigger and a lot of the old, old, old school People are retiring out of the industry, thank God, and younger minds are coming in and they're more open-minded and they're more about reality mm-hmm. and real people and, and depth of your spirit and your soul because really it's like eyes and soul is what moves someone on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I just, I made a commitment years ago, it's what still drives me to this day, that I will not go down without seeing this industry change. I will not take my last breath until I know that there's not going to be another five-year-old facing the society that I faced because it's cruel to do that to kids yeah. who are out there fighting for their lives. Yeah. I think I think the industry is, is ripe for that kind of change. It's so ripe. And, and the edgier creators, they are all ready. Mm-hmm. And the edgy showrunners, like the people from... Sons of Anarchy hung, Game of Silence. So many of the edgy, edgy showrunners are like, bring it. But they don't even know about us. Like lately, I've been, uh, the last few years, and this kind of sort of maybe pisses off some people in our town. (laughs) I've been going right over everybody's heads. And then, you know, you get to these creators and they're like, why have we never seen you before? Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest showrunners in our entire industry who I snuck my way in, sent my tapes to the other coast, got a job. It expanded and expanded and expanded. And one of the biggest showrunners in our industry at the premiere of their series said, why have I never seen you before? Yeah. I just talked to somebody at the head of ABC who said the same thing. I've never seen you before. And I'm like, no, you haven't. Cause they're not letting me in your door. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of times the people in charge don't know what's going on. Maybe. Uh, yeah. below that. I mean, I yeah. think it's it's the it's obviously the business 
It's been like that forever since, you know, since it's since Hollywood has started. But then you also have, you know, because especially now during the movements that are going on, it's, you know, there's very female against male. And I don't think that's that's always the case. A lot of the times, you know, most of your casting directors and agents are women. Yeah, and they are also the ones that are orchestrating this. She's not thin enough. That's not tall enough. That that's not what they want. Instead of saying, you know what? These aren't the kind of clients I want. I want to exactly. be part of a business that is inclusive and yeah. where I don't have to do that. Because I don't think I could do that for a living. I think, you know, after what saying, well, this person's a very strong actor and I think yeah. they'd be great for the part, but she's got a scar on her face. It's just not going to work. You know, and it's like, well, why, why aren't, why isn't a character who, uh, you know, is the wife of a coal miner? Why can't she have a limp? I mean, I mean, what what does that have to do with the story? I mean, there's maybe that makes her a stronger side or a stronger mother or a stronger neighbor, you know, because that's the thing is like, we're in a, we're on a planet with how many billion people now? It's like, you want, don't you want people who stand out? Right, right. <laughs> you know, like, I, I just heard a woman, a mother, talk about how their young ch- girls are feeling like the reason that they, as teenagers, have to just put out their sexuality is because they need to get attention. And I just laughed. I said, I never had to do that to get attention. <laughs> All I had to do was walk across the room. Across but, the room. Um, but the thing is, why do why are we making women feel like the only way to get attention is by sticking out your sexuality in everyone's face mm-hmm. and putting putting yourself in a vulnerable position? Mm-hmm. Why not? Uh, why are we not putting out images in film and TV and in magazines that say to all these young girls, "Hey, guess what? You have to bring to the table." Yeah. Yeah. Heart and soul, your mind, your differences, everything that's unique about you is what makes you special. It's what makes your work special. And so I, I, I feel hopeful that we're moving into an industry that's starting to honor, you know, differences yeah. and strengths and, you know, the beauty of a human being. I, you know, I like to look in someone's eyes and, you know, I look in your eyes, I see your soul. I mean, why wouldn't we want to see that? Right. I don't, don't look want at my soul. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be distracted by fluff and sparkly stuff that makes me just not see who you are. Right. Right. Um, right. You know, We've talked about it before. You know, we uh, we watch a lot of shows on Netflix that are based usually like in Europe or whatever, uh, because their process of making uh, a TV show is they just cast who's right for it. They don't care what you look like. And it's not to say that you don't look good. It's just like this. When I see the cast of this show, it's like, yes, that is that that person is a cop. I believe that person is a cop because they they just fit the role. And that and that's how it works. There was this one show we watched and one of the characters had a disability on on the arm. Do you remember that show? Yeah. And and they never no. It was the it was the werewolf like the shape shapeshifter show. Oh. Anyway, the the the, guy, the 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 actor in it, he had a deformity with his arm. Some he was born with, I'm sure, and they never talked about it. Yeah, excellent. And, you know, just, and it was, that's just who just he was, was and that's was. you know. And I I was just like, yes, brilliant. You know, like yeah. I agree with that. That's what they did with me with Hung. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that 
there have been a few shows that have been great to me. And Hung was like, they didn't even know there was anything going on until I got into wardrobe. And the wardrobe girls were like, uh, this was when I had the AFO brace up to my knee and I'm playing a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> we watched like, that show. I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted show. me to have these super mini skirts. And I'm like, but I have this brace on my knee. Can't you give the mini skirt to the other girls? And then I'll wear the long, tight, super you know, hooker pants. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, the girl marched me out on, on the set in front of the producers. And I thought, Oh God, I'm going to lose my job. She marched me out there in a mini skirt when she's like, wanted to show them this look. And Jane Adams, who's was one of the leads on the show. When she saw me coming, she was like, Oh, is that real? And I was like, yes, it is. And she's like, that's awesome. And she said it so loud that all the producers turned and then they came over and talked with me about it. And then to my surprise and, and awe, uh, Dimitri Lipkin, one of the executive producers and writers said, can we show that? And I said, really, you want to show it? And he was like, yeah, we want to. And I said, awesome. I said, it'll either make my career or break it, but let's do it. Yeah, let's right? do it. You got to You have so to take the me. leap. Yeah, now I, I had running around in high heels in the rain, <laughs> in high, high wedges with my brace in mini skirt in the rain in Detroit, and I loved every minute of it. I was like, yes. And it was sad when the show got canceled. Yeah. I know. Yeah, we were like, oh no, it got canceled because we kind of got into it a little later. And yeah. so then we're like, we're like, oh, there's no more. I thought yeah. that show was brilliant. I don't know yeah. why they didn't finish that. That was really good. Um, it was because um, apparently the story was that HBO uh, overspent and took a huge loss on the show Luck. I think that was the I remember. Yeah, I do remember that show. And so then they cut the shows. This was the story weird. So then they cut the shows that were in multiple seasons because they cost more and ours traveled, you know? Yeah. Ah. Uh. That was a good one. It's always never about us, but man, when those shows get cut, when you're finally working your way into a series regular role, yeah, and they cut, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and now, it always seems like a lot of times shows get canceled. I mean, most 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 of the time, I'm sure it's a viewership thing, but sometimes I feel like it's just like po- a political thing, you know, or like a bureaucratic yeah, thing, where it's yeah. just like, well, we have to cut some show, so it's going to be this one. When normally the yeah. show wouldn't be canceled because it'd be, right. it's doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a whole world behind it that we'll never know about. Yeah, <laughs> we get whatever they tell us. Yeah, uh, but I had actually seen one of your interviews where you had talked about. I'm sure you've spoken. You told the story a hundred times, but on the bus. Um, oh so if you could just you know briefly tell everybody that experience because that's I had seen that you know that video and I thought, you know, I I get having to be professional in that moment because you're like, well, everything I say from here on out is literally being recorded, so I have to keep my shit together so to speak but the 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 uh the temptation i would think to want to speak out in that moment oh my god it's got to be really frustrating and i I did sort of but you know at that point um okay here's the thing even when i go all the way back to childhood you know the moment that somebody starts to make fun of you in front of other people Mm -hmm. it's often so shocking that you don't know what to do right you're just sitting there going, is this really happening? Because I'm always fascinated when people are willing to be that cruel in front of other people, right? So so when it ha- when it started happening, here's here's the deal. I got hired based on my, it was for a commercial, a big national, huge healthcare company. I got hired based on my life story. So they knew that I was a cancer survivor 
with a genetic cancer syndrome who also had been paralyzed from the waist down as a child and overcame that. They knew all that mm -hmm. before they hired me. And they flew me out to the shoot. They had seven other cancer survivors. There were eight of us in the commercial. And as soon as the ad execs and the director saw me moving in there, I saw their eyes fix on my movement. And then they started framing me out of shots. Now, I've been in this industry a long time. I'm not a stupid girl. Mm -hmm. But when you put your shots like here and you're like, you stand over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike, really? And they had things where they had us walking through the plant of the healthcare company. I'm not saying their names at this moment, but I'm really gotcha. close to starting to say their names yeah. until they do something about fixing this. You know, especially a healthcare company because it's like huge healthcare is, company. Right. The, the irony and here I'm is too great. Here's <laughs> the thing: all my life, I've been under all their machines, every single right. one except the, the prostate machine. That's right. the only one. <laughs> and, and you're, you cut your poster child, right? your poster child, the one who's dealt with your equipment and your medical stuff for longer than all your other seven put together. And what a great story you would have had your hands on, right? right. But instead somebody sees a limp and oh no. And at first they were being insidious about it. They were making me move to the back, move out of the shots. Then they would line me up at the very back and call action and have everyone walk in through the shot. And have the AD run up and grab my arm and drag me out backwards. Wow. And I, I remember going, oh, my God. And I said to him, I was like, so uh, a cancer patient can't have a limp? Because I know cancer patients who are missing limbs, organs. You know, so really? And he was like, I'm sorry, it's my job. And nobody would address it. I tried to talk to the ad agency guy on the break. And he just dismissed it, and they were all just avoiding me. And then there were one actor, two of the eight who acknowledged it, and the one who decided to put his arm out and walk with me was somebody who's faced a lot of discrimination himself in life. So he noticed it, mm -hmm. and it bothered him, you know. And uh, so it was it was horrific and that night i went home and i was like to the hotel room and i was so upset well the next day it gets worse they have us on a bus they have the cameras at the front they have the actors just sit wherever they said sit wherever so i sat somewhere in the middle on the side and he gets on the bus the director looks around he looks at me and he's like go sit in the back of the bus and i was like excuse me like just like, you yep just me single deal and go to the back of the bus so I had to switch places with the guy who had been being supportive of me. And uh, then I sit down. He said, now move over. So basically out of the shot. And he spent the rest of the day making sure that after everyone got off the bus and went into the shots, he would grab my arm and stop me himself. Uh, in that moment, I did say, Mike Denall, oh, great. So now we're going to make the disabled people sit at the back of the bus. That's awesome. Mm. No, it was so humiliating. And I'm not... You know, I save my emotions for the stage and for the screen. I'm not a person who cries a lot in life. I've been through enough, you know. Mm -hmm. But that night, I went to my hotel room and I cried. And I thought, if this is what's happening in front of my face, can you imagine what's happening behind my back? 20-something right. years in this industry, that was the only national commercial I ever got. And look what happened. And then, sure enough, just waiting for that commercial to come out, of course, I'm the only voice they cut. I'm the only one who didn't have a voice. And in addition, they put my smile at one moment 
and another movement where I'm slightly moving, but they cut all my story and my speaking and everything. And I know the only reason they even showed my face was because somebody said, you know, we're going to get sued. Right. <laughs> right. We do this. You know, you know, that conversation happened. And, you know, to this day, the ad agency out of New York, I'm just going to say it because I'm so sick of them not stepping up. BBDO New York needs to stop discriminating and acting like they're being inclusive when they're not. Because cut to years later, I come across that director at a recent event because he's got a film out there now. And I and I and I had words with him. I was like, you know, that was the worst experience of my career. I speak about it nationally. I speak about it everywhere I go. And I am going to start saying names. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all need to fix this so that it's not the worst experiences of my career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that director apologized and, I, and over and over. And I said, well, you know, I think it's time we find a way to work together in a more positive manner. And in addition, I really want to know who called the shots on that because I didn't know who called the shots at that time. And he told me it was the ad agency. And I wrote to the ad agency and they're still trying to brush it off. Yeah. Ugh. You know, I'm like, you guys need to do something about that. And and if you don't ever want to hire me ever, ever again in another commercial, step up and do something about it for the community. Right. You know, like, stop acting like you're inclusive if you're not. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I probably shouldn't have called everybody out, but there we go. <laughs> uh, it was the most uh, painful experience of my career. There, it was, a, And it was 20 years into my career. It also was a point where a very low point where um, I've, I was, it was one of the few times that I actually thought, you know, maybe I need to leave this industry because they're never going to let me work. All the years I've fought to live and all the years I've fought to uh, survive and learn how to walk over and over again. Five times now I've had to learn how to walk again and uh, all the pain and suffering. And that's, I can't work as an actor. Right. You don't. It's not like it's sit me, down. sit me down on your bus and interview me, mm -hmm. you know, like, come on. And, and we have examples of where not not nearly enough, but, you know, you have examples like Breaking Bad, for instance, um, exactly. where, you know, this, you know, and it's it's funny because we were we were watching we're watching a show. We were late on that one. Also, we, were, we <laughs> binged to the whole thing. And, you know, we get I'm, I forgot the actor's name. Mm. Uh, RJ oh, okay yes RJ um and um you know there was something about his performance air quotes that i was like this seems like too good you know too what good. i mean like there's no but way you, when you, ask real. you know it's like there's th there's i mean like if this guy's putting on a performance this is this is really really crazy and um you know, I, I looked him up, of course, because the, but the first thing I thought was there's no way they let somebody with a disability have that big of a role. Right. As sad as that is, that was the first thing I thought. Well, it can't be authentic because they wouldn't have given them the, the part. Right. Not in Hollywood. Are you crazy? You know, and I looked yeah. him up and, you know, I saw interviews. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, he was a great character. And it's not, you know, I've, I'd actually heard somebody say that it's distracting when people yeah. with disabilities, I was like, what's distracting about it? The character had a disability like that. Yeah. He has a I disability. Think that, well, those like are the type that, of people that are distracted by that sort of stuff in real life. Right. And they're just, you right. know. In real life, because they're so not used to seeing right. it. But yeah. here's the reality. I'm, I'm an actor. I'm a character actor. I can play pretty much anything. Uh, can I put on a fake beard and play Paul in a movie better than Paul could play Paul? Right. 
that's the question. Are people going to look and watch and realize, ah, I'm not sure that's a man. I'm not sure that beard is real. Yeah. Nah, you know, but when you hire authentically, you know, people like, here's one of the things I've noticed. Very, very, very rarely do I ever see somebody accurately even portray a limp. They can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't know how. I don't know why it's such a hard thing. I was like, well, if I don't make it as an actor, I'm going to start charging $500 an hour teaching people how to live. <laughs> 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 Asking a, 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 an actress to play a girl with a limp through many seasons of a show is not much different than asking me to play Asian right. or right. Latina with a Mexican accent. At some point, somebody who's Latina is going to be like, yeah, no. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's not working for me. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, why not? We need people to not be so afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what you just said. They're, they're afraid. Well, they're afraid because they never get to see it. And we need to take the fear away by showing people that these are not people to be afraid of. These are our society game changers, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is, is that. If you take a kid who's been challenged since birth or childhood, survived crazy illness, surgeries, cancers, accidents, guess what they do? They adapt, they adjust, they overcome. They adapt, they adjust, they overcome. They're really skilled at problem solving and surviving. Now, if you take the entire 20% of the population who are the most skilled at survival and get rid of them, the other 80% lives in greater fear of death and stuff because they don't know how to survive because right. they have no role models. Right. right. And and when they're in trouble, who do they turn to because they have no role models? Right. Of people who know how to survive and get through the stuff that all of us are going to face one day. Mm-hmm. All of us are going to be there one day. And to me, as a filmmaker, as a writer, as a producer, as a casting person, I only find people interesting who've been through a lot of hell. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's kind of ironic, too, because, you know, you're an actor, right? And you're portraying all these emotions, and every movie has conflict, and you're going through all this sort of, all, all this uh, adversity, and yet, like you had mentioned earlier, you're casting people that have zero experience with that. Zero you know experience. What I mean? So it's like, you know, if you're yes. casting someone who's been through a rough time, like, and you're not allowing people in that have been through a rough time. Yeah, it's like that. That's like pretty a counterproductive. Huge, it's a huge just from just from a like a, a logistical standpoint, not right. even from like a moral one. You know, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge issue that like Paul and I have talked about. You know, I I, I had a, a really rough upbringing in childhood. Uh, you know, I've been through some stuff, and um, you know, it's uh, as an adult, I deal with anxiety and some pretty severe anxiety at times, and it's gotten to a point where I've said like. I don't even, you know, we make our own films. And yeah. I started I started writing my own characters and my own scripts because what I was being offered was I don't know if I got offered a hooker one more time, I don't, you know, like and you know, and yeah, yeah. yeah and a lot of the the, you know, if you're going through students who are going to school for it, I a 19-year-old cannot write what I'm going through at, at that time in my mid-30s. You haven't been there yet. So they write for yeah. 19-year-olds. 
So and you don't understand it. They yet. don't understand mm-hmm. it yet. You know, so I was like, all right, everything is, you know, 18 to 24. There's the range. And, uh, you know, can something happen a little later in life? Because that's where I'm at. And, you know, it it's uh, it's uh, stunted me in a lot of ways. I'm afraid to um, audition for things because I'm like, well, what if my anxiety kicks in? I have an autoimmune disorder. So sometimes I feel like absolute crap. I don't want to ruin somebody's film. So I don't trust me. You know, why would somebody else? Um, but it's, it's so interesting. That's like, you know, you, you go through all these things and I always think, God, if somebody needed some really like jaded character with a horrible <laughs> childhood, I got this, you know what I mean? I got that, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I just started writing my own parts because I was like, no right. one else is going to do this. And, right. you know, I don't care if this makes it into movie theaters. It's we like to create things, you mm-hmm. know, so if it only makes it into a couple film fest, I got to play that part and I move on and I play another part, exactly. you know, exactly. but it, it's but if you write those, no one's going to there. No one is going to be able to write it as well as you will. Mm-hmm. Nobody will be able to fill it as well as you will. And the thing is, it's it's really interesting because, um, you know, I. I read people for a living. It's what I've been doing for 27 years and 20 of those years working in casting from Atlanta to New York and here. So it's really easy for me to read people. And you didn't even, I didn't even know you had that childhood until you just said it, but I could see it in your eyes. But I could also see it in the way you present yourself as an authentic human being. I'm flawed. And it's okay. And to me... (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. And to me, it's like, I want to see that authenticity. Mm-hmm. I want to see the truth in someone's eyes. I want to see somebody who's not afraid to show up and be like, here I am in my sweatshirt and how I am. And that's just how, this is who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And, this is, and this is good enough. Yeah. This is, a, and I want to see the day when every human being, every actress gets to come in and say, hey, this is who I am. And this is what I would bring to your role. And this is good enough. Yeah. This is exactly what, you know, it might not fit this role, but it'll fit this role, you know, and it depends on the role. And we all have different skill sets, but everyone has value. Yeah. yeah. And everyone has something to bring to the table. And I would so rather see someone like you play a role similar to what you just described than somebody who's never had a problem or any major problem or one that wasn't manufactured um, try to play it, you know? Yeah. I once had a, a kid say to me, not a kid, 20-something-year-old say to That's me. That's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said to me once, um, you know, you handle getting the news of cancer the way most girls handle breaking a nail or uh, having a minor fender bender, you know, a car a car thing. And, I, and I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I, it's just weird. You're just so calm. And I'm like, well, not always, but, you know, I've been through a lot, so... You know, we handle things differently. So it's like, you know, I'm not sure I'd want to see somebody who's never been through any challenges portray the role you just described. Right. Right. You know, because where's the soul? Where's the soul going to come from? And where's the understanding? And the we all, our spirits get to some sort of peace with what we go through. One way or another, it does, because that's what lets us take the next step or go through the next day, is that our spirit is like, okay, here's what I'm dealing with, and now I got to get here. So if you've been dealing with this and your spirit got here, that's a that's a comprehension most people don't get. And what I've seen through the years is that uh, when you give a role with a disability to somebody with no experience of it, guess what they do? 
<laughs> they play the problem. Right. right. They try to show you their limp. They try to show you how broken they are. Well, guess what? A person with a real disability is just trying to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Right. They're just trying to make the next step or they're trying for you not to see their limp. Right. It's just like an alcoholic doesn't go out into the world to show everyone how drunk they are. They're trying to hide right. it. Right. Exactly. Yep. So, uh, so I just gave one of the clues away, but, <laughs> but at the same time, you have to have some depth of understanding. And, you know, one of the things I love about the community that I advocate for here, the performers with disabilities, a bunch of us just sat down and had pizza after an event last week. And um, the humor, oh my God, the humor in this community, because they have to have humor to survive yeah. the world they live exactly. in. And, um, and just the wit and the, the brains and the just there's just so much that they're bringing to the table. They're, they fascinate me. And uh, I think the whole world would feel that way if they saw more of the real stories and real portrayals instead of, oh, look how hard this is because that's the only right. way I can be. Right. I don't get it and I'm afraid of it. If you're afraid of something, it's like condescending to your character. If I'm afraid of your challenges, how am I going to portray that well? Right. right. And what you said is so important in that, you know, I know with with my with my day-to-day struggle, my goal is to when someone says how are you? Good, even though I'm not. You're mm-hmm. trying yeah. to portray normal, so to speak, as best as you can even though if I'm I'm having a day my, you know, when people say to me, oh, I, I would never know that you went through that. Everyone says, that, you know, not many people know what I've experienced in my life. But the people that do are like, I would never know that because you're always sarcastic and making jokes. And it's like, well, that's how I survived mm-hmm. it. So my job is to make it so that you don't know what's going on with me. And, you know, a, an actor that uh, that did that really well. Uh, I don't know if you saw Sharp Objects. I did. Uh, I was a role in that. <laughs> were you? More than one role in that. Yeah, yeah, actually. Nice. Uh, uh, That, you know, what what I I think at one point Amy Adams had said, I think they wanted to do more. And she's like, I can't do this role anymore. Like, I'm I'm done, you know, like, I don't want to do it. But what I thought was so good about the way she played that was that her character was trying so hard to look like she had everything together. And she didn't, uh, you know, but she didn't go out of her way to get drunk. She just did because it was how she coped with things and i think that's what happens a lot is when you you get actors that don't have the experience of the character that they're playing is that they play the stereotype of that character and then i don't believe it yeah true and we're seeing that a lot with um a lot of the strong women's roles that are out there like now because of the diversity in casting and everything they want to see more women playing these roles that typically would have been men and in the real world they still typically are men Mm -hmm. for example um, the heads of like the CIA, the FBI, the, you know, and now we've got all these women coming in to play these roles, which is fantastic. However, mm-hmm. I'd love to see more authentically strong women being cast. Yes. The kind of women that you know wouldn't be afraid to face some of this stuff. Right. Because we're still seeing these very shallow portrayals, which is really being a disservice to all women because there are those women out of there. Course. Mm-hmm. There are women out there that could pick up a torch and lead the SEAL team, you know, that kind of. Right. <laughs> there, there are those women. And um, I'd love to see more of them finding that. Like, I just watched um, 
okay, one of my new favorite shows, and I not because I've been on it, just because I'm I love what they're doing. Is um, nine one one on Fox? Okay, and uh, Ryan Murphy, who's always been so open to authentic casting, and um, Brad Felchek, who's one of my heroes heroes in this industry. Um, they started this show and they cast women that I believe are as strong as the characters they're playing. These women are strong. They've got strong women on the fire department. They got strong women on the police department and you buy it, you believe it. And they're not wearing high heels. And, um, (laughs) they're not running from dinosaurs and stilettos. (laughs) And then one of the hot firemen, they gave him a kid with CP and they cast it authentically. It's one of the most endearing storylines on the whole show. Mm-hmm. And when you watch it and they take the kid out on the ride with the fireman, and I just watched it and I'm like getting emotional because I'm like, we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. We're, it's happening. It's happening. And I'm so excited by that because I like the shows better. Like I love when they cast in a way that's believable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Believable. And I think it adds to the character too when you, you know, when you see a character, let's say, that may have a limp, but in their scene, they're seated. So you don't know, right? So they have this emotional scene and they get up and they have a limp. And you're like, well, there's no reason why they would give that character a limp. So they must have one. And then you think, well, how did the character get that limp? I wonder. You know, it just adds more depth to what that character may Mm -hmm. have gone through. I I wouldn't think, like, oh, well, they've got a limp. Well, forget it. The scene wasn't as emotional as I thought. Like, that has absolutely nothing to do with what they're delivering. I think it just adds to it. The character had, you know, I've seen women and men that are, you know, uh, uh, very attractive that will have a scar. And that's just, that's more attractive where you're like, oh, they got a scar. (laughs) Where'd you get that scar, you know? And for some reason, they have been okay with scars for men, but but not not for women. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And I think that um, this illusion of perfection that our industry has perpetuated for so many years um, for women is unfair to all women. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like when we start to really get authentic with casting women and really cast women in jobs that you'd actually hire them for in the real world and cast women with real challenges and real disabilities so that we get rid of this idea that women can only be 20 plus 80 pounds and high heels. If we could move that to where it belongs in life and only cast people in roles that are right for that look and then open up to women of all ages, women of all sizes, women of all differences, that's going to take the pressure off a whole lot of women Mm -hmm. to be perfect. The whole human race suffers under this oppression of the image that we've put out there for women that they're supposed to live up to. Yeah, because it goes it goes well beyond just being an actor. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's like you're impression. You're yeah. You're putting this impression in people's heads that are twelve and thirteen and eleven, and yeah. it's yeah. unattainable. It's completely unattainable. Little, little, little girls, teenagers are are coming into their thirteen and fourteen years and thinking already they don't fit in in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's. And you have boys, you have boys going along with it because they're being taught the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's not only a disservice to girls, but it's a disservice to boys who are not really getting the chance to see what's real. What real women look like? They're just being told like this is this. Yeah, and they're all feeling like, well, then I have to attain this level of look of woman and. There's just all this pressure on everybody because of this, because we're leaving out 20% of the picture. Right. Mm-hmm. 
you know, here's a puzzle, 20% all dispersed throughout the entire puzzle is missing. And we can't see the whole picture. And so it's a disservice to all of humanity. It's a huge disservice to women. It's a disservice to men who can't find the women who match up to what they see on the screen mm -hmm. because they don't exist. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm probably a little too sassy about everything I say, but um, I, I believe that it'd be really hard to find uh, a girl on the screen who's physically absolutely perfect that doesn't have something very wrong inside or you know yeah. you don't get you don't get away with perfection in this lifetime it does not right. exist uh, I, why are we trying to live up to it yeah, i think it goes beyond that even because it's when you have this perfection and then god forbid you know you gain 10 pounds and go to a beach then you got people taking pictures and shaming yeah. you for it and it's like so not right. only is it like you have to look this good it's Oh, it's yeah. actively to it. harmful to not be that. Yeah. You, know? you have to maintain that. God forbid you do something horrible like AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no. You know? Yeah. Or, or, oh, my God, have a baby and, you know, expand a bit, you know, or, or get an illness and lose a limb or an accident. God forbid that happened to you. Yeah. You know? And, and then if you look to Hollywood for what to do about it or you're watching movies for what to do about it, you're going to get a message like in Me Before You that is like, we don't care how perfect your life is. If you're in a, disabled now, kill yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, why do we keep putting that message out there? And then because then when people hit challenges, they're like, oh, no, what do I do? It's over. Oh, yeah, it's over. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like when we do when when you do see films out there that are that claim to be uh, inclusive and open minded, it's usually that that person's the butt of the joke. Right. You yeah. Know, so they're you playing, have, they're playing at it. I, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a name out there. Maybe I shouldn't. But like Amy Schumer's last movie. I, I feel pretty Amy, Amy Schumer. Was oh, like, where like, she was. Yeah, I feel yeah. pretty like she got into an accident and. Like she hit her head and now that she hit her head, she found herself to be gorgeous, but she looked the same as she did before she hit her head. So it's like, oh, so I have to be concussed yeah. <laughs> to find myself attractive. Yeah. Oh, great. You know, so it's it's kind of, you know, it's it, it, I don't know that that's such a that's such a crappy message. It's where it's like, oh, we're trying to show that it's OK to look different. It's like, but you're not. You're making that a joke. Right. You're making a joke of that. Right. Yeah. You, you had now you I mean, I know we're running a bit long, but you had brought up an interesting point um something it's something that i actually think about a lot and i don't really know uh you know because i'm not in in that position in that like you t talked about like talking out about uh, you know naming names right and so and i know it's easy for paul, someone paul to, is a fan of transparency <laughs> well that's the thing right it's easy for me to say well if this person did something to you or said something or like we're not going to cast this person because they're this or this that yeah. why don't you just say who it is so they won't do it anymore and it's it's easy for me to say but it's yeah. not so easy for that person because that's their livelihood. That's how they're going to pay their bills. Yeah. They're going to they're going to out somebody and then they'll probably never work again. It's uh, it's happening right now, you know. So I yeah, don't. It's, yeah. it's really a tricky situation because mm -hmm. you want it to stop and outing people would certainly help it. But then at the same time, you're completely damaging your career forever, possibly. Maybe it's so well, tricky. Here's the thing. A few years ago, I decided they can't keep me out of work any more than they already have. So I right. don't care. Right. You know, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, look. I'm going to try really hard not to say everybody's names, but at the same time, I expect some of them to right the wrongs. 
as I tell the stories, I expect them to say, I am sorry, I'm growing from this. Let me see what I can do now to include people with disabilities, you know, or my company, you know. And so, you know, I just feel like for many years, I never named names and I still mostly mm -hmm. don't. But when I've given someone many, many, many opportunities or a company to uh, take the step and, and write what they mm -hmm. did and they won't do it because they think they're too important, guess what? I got nothing to lose. Right. So that's a dangerous person to screw mm -hmm. with. You know, when someone has got nothing left to lose, I can't work any less in the commercial world than I already right. do. So therefore, what have I got to lose? Right. I'm speaking nationally and internationally. I think your company has something to mm -hmm. lose. Yeah. So now step up and do the right thing because you're harming all of humanity. Yeah. You know, and that's how I feel about it. And I will send the link for this to the people I just talked about. I will. I'll send it to them and say, you know, y'all, been I've given you years to sort this out. It's not, Make this experience a better one for it's me. It's not hard to do the right thing. It really isn't. No, it's not that hard to do the and right thing. And even from like a, a, a financial standpoint, if, I, if, I'm an, yeah. if I'm a director and I'm trying to get a performance out of somebody, well, time is money. And if I need this yeah. person to portray this character the right way well if they've been through it and they know what they're doing i'm getting that performance and we're moving on yeah and we're saving money so like even from like a selfish you know uh uh you know self-fulfilling or you know, yeah like a like a greedy standpoint mm -hmm. you know it's like mm -hmm. well it's there's everything makes sense to do to do the right thing it's not just a moral thing. It's also mm -hmm. a fiscal thing. And it's also, yeah. a, it's just a, a responsible thing. So there's just, it's, you have to go above and beyond to, to kind of do that. You know what I mean? Like to kind of be that type of person to, to not want somebody in their scene because they have a limp. Well, it's just like, well, that's going to speed up your production. That's going to allow the portrayal. And you as, me as a director, if that person can get a good performance, well, guess what? That's only going to look that much better for me as well as the person. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just don't I get it. So, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it either. And I just, I just feel like, you know, like I said, there's, there's, there, you get to a point where you've got nothing left mm. to lose. And I, I actually, the one thing I wish I could do if I could go back in my youth and in my career, I wish I would have never walked away with a smile on my face. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have stood every time and said unacceptable and shouted it from the rooftops because now that I've gotten to that place, it's so much more powerful place to mm -hmm. be. And even in the script of Sons of Anarchy, it, way later in the season, um, one of the characters was dying of cancer, and he became ferocious and courageous because he was dying of cancer. And I think Ron Perlman's character says in response to that, there is nothing more dangerous than a person who knows their expiration mm -hmm. date. Mm -hmm. Now... I feel like that right now. I'm like, I am, I am their dangerous enemy now because of the fact that, or I'll be their best collaborator. Right. But the fact is, I got nothing left to lose. So what have I got to lose? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I don't care. I've faced my life enough times that I'm at the point where, listen, I'm going to give you 200% of everything I got on every job I ever go on. But if you're going to wrong me and the whole disabled community over a disability, hello, Harvey. It's going out to yeah, the world now. Yeah. You know? It's going out to the world now because it's it's past due. We're over it. The entire public wants to see, not the entire, but the majority of human beings want to see real. They're tired of all being made to believe that 
the people in Hollywood are perfect and everyone else sucks. The world is sick of that uh, story. Yeah. It's an old story and it doesn't, it's not true. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's time. It's really time. Yeah. And we've got to be all inclusive. We have to be. Hashtag all inclusive. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have to. We have to be. If we're going to be fair to the human race and maybe once we finally get there, we're going to elevate all of society. Maybe we're going to all start to work together better. Maybe our game changers are going to come in and start running our companies and our countries and shifting everything. Mm -hmm. Because they, that's all they do is problem solve. Right. It's what they on do. A, They're on good a daily at basis, it. Yeah. Daily. Yeah. They, we're, we're leaving out some of the greatest people and greatest characters. And I can't wait to see how society looks when, when everyone's included. Yeah. Well, I think what you're doing is great. You know, there's not a lot of people that that are speaking out and it yeah. needs to be done. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's other actors out there that that have definitely experienced that that sort of prejudice and and have yeah. been trained to believe that they have to keep that in because the business will make you an outcast and you'll not get work. So, you know, I think it's great what you're doing. And, you know, for everyone listening, if you want to follow Eileen's work, you can, you know, see what speeches she's giving or, you know, where, where and follow her career and, and be supportive of that. If you're, if you're casting a film for the, for our fellow filmmakers out there, you know, look, if you, if you have not just when you have a character that is, has a disability, just consider yeah. everybody not right. just, oh, every, uh, we have somebody kind of who's deaf yeah. and we don't want their, you know, ugh, we don't want people making a big thing. So I guess we'll have to hire a deaf person. It's always like with this, like begrudgingly yeah. agreeing to do to do it. But just consider, hey, this character, you know, just understand that just because a character has a scar or is missing a hand or, you know, that they can still play this part. Yeah. Um, and just be inclusive, not just when it's good for you yeah just be inclusive and in all roles yeah. the mom the neighbor the judge even a cop can have a limp and even a judge can be in a wheelchair and even uh, the mom next door can be missing a right. limb or can be deaf uh, or can be blind and all that's okay yeah. mm -hmm. i mean i was just telling the fbi as well i was like hey if i was having to like scan you know airports for homeland security I would bring in deaf people. I would bring in deaf people and autistic people, and I would sit them up there and w overseeing the crowds because their senses are right. heightened, way heightened. They'll spot people way faster. They see, they spot human nature. You know, like you take away one sense and all the others are stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, people who are autistic are amazing problem solvers. There's so much, there's so many gifts in this. Look at what Stephen Hawking did. I mean, look what he did with his life and... If we could have, if we could have um, gone back in time and just shoved him in a corner in a room and said, "I'm sorry, that's too right. hard." Yeah. What would have happened? Right. Like, really? What would have happened if nobody let Stevie Wonder play music or Einstein do the things he did? He had a learning disability. Maybe we should have just kept him out of the right. game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Beethoven did his best work when he was yeah. deaf. So should we have been like, "Go away, you're deaf." Yeah. You know, like our. Like I said, our greatest game changer. Yeah. yeah. Well, she said it all right there. Fun. I yeah. feel like this was like an interview slash therapy session. Yeah. Is is <laughs> is good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you want to follow, if people want to follow your work, where can they go? Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at Eileen Gruba E I L E E N G R U B B A. Mm -hmm. 
And I have a professional page on Facebook as well. It's the one with the blue check mark. Uh, the other one's full. So, um, and you can find me anywhere on IMDb. You can Google me. You'll see my stuff everywhere. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us, Eileen. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Wonderful talking with both of you. All right. Bye. Bye. So that was Eileen Gruba. Yes, it was very inspiring. Very inspiring. Yeah. Very intense in a great way. And, um, fighting fighting for a really necessary cause so go check her work out and and support her yes please do she's super passionate and i love it and as we said again um support all actors Mm -hmm. with disabilities yep and don't put them in there just because they have that because you need somebody with disabilities give everybody a part and see see how it works out do it i dare you the worst that can happen is it doesn't work out (laughs) yeah and i get and it will yeah. You have my my guarantee. If it doesn't work out... Paul's going to pay you. A dollar. Yep. Yeah, because that's all I have. I'll have to lend him 50 cents, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so... Um, you never have cash on you. <laughs> I know. So, um, we went to NAB this week. Oh, we did? Yeah, we did. Oh. Um, it was that big place with all the cameras and... Oh, I was wondering what the hell we were doing in that dark yeah, warehouse. Yeah, walking around. So, we went, we went to NAB, and we interviewed a bunch of booths. ICANN booth, the RE booth, mm-hmm. Black Magic. Uh, so, we got to talk with a bunch of the reps from those companies, which was really fun. Yeah. Uh, for me, anyway. Uh, for you. You're just like, whatevs. Yeah, I don't really care. No, nope. <laughs> not one bit. Um, so, that will be that is probably out now. Um, so check that out on our YouTube channel. Yeah. YouTube. What's our YouTube channel? YouTube.com slash Send3Productions. S-E-N, the number three. Productions. Productions. Yes, yes, sir. So what did you think of it? As somebody that doesn't know anything about cameras or or uh, the technical side of filmmaking, what did you think of, of NAB? I thought it was swag lacking. Right? You promised me all this, like, cool free shit, and I was just like, this sucks. Last year I went and I had like, I had an ICANN. I had a, like three or four shirts I took, I brought home. Yeah. This year I got one. Jack crap. One sh- I have another shirt coming actually. I have so like a, a, a combination bottle opener and fidget spinner, which by the way, most beer bottles don't require bottle openers anymore. I mean, some do, right? yeah. but you know, not all of them do. I don't, I don't really see how bottle openers are. It's like giving people lighters. Mm-hmm. It's like, who really needs that? anymore yeah right i'd rather a pen <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you use a pen a lot more than that bottle opener yeah. i don't know it just seemed um i don't know you see when i i've gone there for like the um, the food shows and stuff it seems the javits center yeah yeah it's um they have different levels because they were having a cosmetic thing when we were there mm-hmm. so maybe that's the one i've kind of remember being in the lower level one mm-hmm. potentially um, it's I, the, the rooms place are I've ever probably been in there. bigger or yeah. something. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever been in that specific section. Right. But it just didn't seem big enough. Right. So it's just kind of like, oh, it's actually is bigger it? than last year. That's sad. I yeah. think. Sorry, well, NAB. I don't mean. I mean, I have nothing to compare that to. But I guess I just think of like when you go for the boat shows and for. Well, I've the gone thing for is, those is, things they're huge you know, spaces. The NAB in Vegas is the, that's the big one. Yeah. It takes you like three days just to even walk it, the whole thing. Let alone yeah, stop and look at to stuff. Vegas. I think when you have you have a, a, a facility as big as the Javits Center, like yeah. you could kind of expand that. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be as big as Vegas, but I don't know. Well, it's bigger, and I'm sure next year it'll be bigger also. It's just, you know... I, well, I took the survey that they sent me. Oh, uh, yeah. What'd you say? And I was like, so you basically had a broadcasting show. 
you know, there was a lot of broadcasting stuff. Um, and I, I assume it's because New York is so news driven. You know, there's a lot of production in there. Well, yeah. I mean, you have like NBC. More so where and, Vegas is like. I think, right? NBC and ABC and all that crap is yeah. in the city. So, yep. um, there's, so there you was, have all that film, Fox and all that. Yep. Um, they all film from there. But um, I, I don't know enough. I know enough about tech to know that I don't know a lot. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You know enough to know that you don't know. Yeah. I know enough to know. I don't really, I know what this is for, but I don't, I don't know the first thing about using that sure. and, or like what the, the perks or features of that would be. Um, and so, you know, it's not completely lost on me, but I, I really thought that it was more geared towards our types. So I was just kind of like, oh, this is. You thought it was it, geared towards us. Yeah. Yeah. Not completely. Right, like right, I knew right. there would be, you know, I didn't think that that would be the headline of it, but I just felt like there was a lot of like stuffy executives. Mm-hmm. So, there, like some of the booths, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know what 50% of the booths were even trying to sell. Their, you know, that's their the- like banners were so vague mm-hmm. and that like the people wouldn't, even, they don't even look up. Like half the people are on their phone they don't try to engage anyone that's passing by. And mm-hmm. some people seem legitimately annoyed that they had to give you swag. It's <laughs> like, well, why did you bring this shit then? If yeah. you're like going to give me a dirty look for asking you for a fidget spinner. <laughs> yeah, my beer bottle fidget spinner. Yeah, you know, um, I had a point and I just forgot it. I said that it Son was like gun. broadcast driven and the people were kind of standoffish. Oh, yeah. So the, the, the people were kind of standoffish, but then the people that you... That you wanted to see, like the, um, that you know, the people that would fit in our world, the the like I, we couldn't even talk to someone at the Panasonic. You had this obsession with the Panasonic. I guy. wanted to talk like, to the guy really about the EVA one, and um, I sat there for probably half an hour, and I couldn't get somebody because there was just people talking, you know, and um, there definitely wasn't was not enough reps there. I don't think to well, the thing was also they the had like. There were several reps of the Panasonic station, but there only seemed to be one that knew what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's the other thing. So is you, that had you had a station yeah. with five people, of which only one was doing presentations. And it's like, well, what are these other people here for then? Yeah. 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 And if it's going to get bigger, you know, if it's going to be that, yeah. I, same with the Black Magic booth. We had to come back. You know, we, we went there and then we... Um, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm a Black Magic fanboy. We so. have a Black Magic. Yeah. Like that's uh, our camera. There's no no knock on them. They had, probably had one of the bigger booths there, uh, well, and was, a lot of people. Yeah. But you know, not everybody can speak on camera. I think that that it, it's we're. De- I'm definitely not taking a jab at Black Magic because that's the camera that we have, and we love our camera. But it was it was disappointing because they were they're dead smack when you walked in. That was one of the biggest uh, vendors there, mm-hmm. and there was only one person that was allowed i guess to do like pr stuff or yeah well to talk on camera that's the thing like to their credit you know they had enough people there that if you had questions about stuff you could get an answer right not away. on camera yeah but but there was i think there was like one person that yeah it was only one person that could talk who on was camera. cool and everything well but that that could talk on camera about what we specifically yeah. wanted to talk about but the problem was just also that because there's only that one person it's like You've got that one person having to give the same speech over and over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, I felt bad and for him. I was like, sorry, man. but <laughs> Yeah, like we, we were towards getting towards the end of the day, and you can tell it's just kind of like, all right, here's this, here's that. Yeah. Ugh, this button, you know? and then you click Here's the, the button, thing. go clickety-click, and that flibberty gibbet clicks up, and all right, see you yeah. later. 
Um, I so, mean, he was nice. He was definitely nice. He was and super all. nice. But were, I, everybody was. was I just wish nice. that like they'd had a couple people so that that guy wasn't having to just say the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, and yeah. we could actually interact right, with him. Right. Because we, we couldn't because it's like he had to get to the next person who wanted to talk to him. Yeah. So that was. I think my favorite booth was the ICANN booth. That um, guy there. Barry. Uh, was it Barry? Barry yeah. Garcia. Barry Garcia. He, he was cool, and I liked awesome. the. Uh, there was uh, there were um, two booths, booths, booths. Yeah, right. I guess I don't know. Booth Tables <laughs> that uh, I thought were most engaging was ICANN and um, the builder case. Yeah, my case builder. Yeah, my yeah. case builder. That like, guy was awesome. That too. guy just like. I, you know, it was short and sweet. And I mean, you know, how much can you say about a case? It's not like it's equipment. I understand right. that. Um, but aside from from uh, the ease of understanding what a case is, because mm-hmm. that's not as difficult for me as some things, I just thought that they had the best uh, promo. Like they had a 15% promo card mm-hmm. and their prices were a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And they have flat, like a flat rate shipping, which... yeah. If you watch the video, it's I wasn't just like, ah, uh, yes, sure, sure. I was like genuinely like, oh crap! Like you got nine dollars, yeah. no matter how big this case is. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's all weight, right? So you can have a huge foam insert, but it doesn't weigh anything. Yeah, I guess. But still, that you know, but still, yeah, with right. a lot of companies, that's you know, you pay for name, and you know, so we were. T- I don't remember that guy's name, unfortunately. But um, Tom, right? I don't know. I just said I don't know, man. <laughs> sorry, 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 guy. If if, um, if you're listening, which we you're probably a, not, let's be honest. We but, went on a pick and pluck tangent, and yeah. uh, you know, he was telling us about his stuff, which was really cool. I yep. thought like the most engaged um, vendor was actually um, Roland. No, no. Um, was it Maxon? Yeah, and. So- was it Cinema 4D? Or? So, yeah, yeah. Like with Perry. That, with Perry and yeah. um, Matt and all the yep. guys from, from Brograph. Yeah. Like that was, it didn't Shout matter. Shout out to Brograph. Shout out to Brograph. Um, which was my first time meeting those guys. Oh, that's right. seen them yeah. a couple times. Um, and um, it didn't matter what time we kind of, because we kept going back and forth and back and forth. And we actually wanted to talk to them, but mm-hmm. they, they were constantly doing presentations. Yeah. There were always people sitting there. Yeah, there was a lot of people there. Last year, there was probably half that Yeah, when I was there. Well, but I mean, at their booth specifically, well, like, I mean. their yeah. booth was just like, there were the, people sitting there, they were yeah. engaged, and I was like, this booth's doing great. So much so that we actually know these guys, and we can't even, right. c- we can't can't even, even conduct an interview with them because they're, they're busy. So I just... Like if you, I, I guess you know if you see that response, well, a lot of people liked that in Cinema 4D, and and you know a lot of your types and and film types would use that for stuff. I would hope that next year they would gear a little bit more. Like there were no Nikon or Canon vendors. I don't know what you know. Last year, I was year, like, what the hell? I don't remember if Canon was there last year. I want to say they were not, but Sony was there, and they they weren't there. Sony this wasn't year. there either. Um, I found so that yeah, so crazy. I'm, I'm, and I wonder if like. You know, not knowing anything about the inside of it all, if that's a vendor choice or, or you know, if they're like, listen, we don't really have anything new. We don't want to, it's not worth our time to send people out there or whatever, because it's not that big yet. Or if it's like, you know, the NAB New York was like, well, we don't have the space, so let's get other I wonder more if they're at the broadcast. Vegas one, but not at the New York one. Well, they're definitely at the Vegas one. Everybody's at the Vegas one. That's the place to be. <laughs> Well, whatever you know yeah. some of us can't afford to freaking go to vegas <laughs> yeah and even if we could i don't know you know i mean it's scary i just i just felt like you felt underwhelmed 
I was underwhelmed. Yeah. Because what little I do know is more, or not even so much of what I know, but more of what I would be interested in because it's relative to what we do mm-hmm. wasn't really there. There were there was the lighting. Um, you know, that's there was a lot of light. There it was, was it was so lighting. Much lighting. There was a lighting and broadcast equipment. That's yeah. all it was. You know. And then that you had was, black magic. But then there was like those in-between things that were like, what do you... It was literally, there's no gear, not even a table. It was like a backdrop with some weird logo and yeah. someone sitting in a chair on their phone. And I was like, yeah. the hell do you do? Well, you have like lens well, rental, right? Selling? I love lens rental. I'm not even saying anything bad about them at all. I love, I use them, you know? Yeah. These guys are awesome. Uh, but it's, it's, I guess it's tough... You know, it's more of a promotion thing, right? Because it's not like they can do anything. They can't show you anything, you know, equipment or whatever, but they can talk to you about. So I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of um, companies there like that, that just had solutions for things, but it wasn't really like an environment that you could show you. Yeah, Yeah, it was a product. It was kind of, yeah, so it was like. But the Vegas one, you know, it's like whatever you're into, there's tons of. You know, if you're a filmmaker, you can go and spend two days just looking at filmmaker stuff. If you're a broadcast person, you can go look at broadcast stuff. If you're a graphics person, you can spend all day looking at all the graphics stuff. I wish stuff. they had more just film stuff. Like, if they had an, an like, uh, I don't expect them to have something um, equivalent to NAB just for filmmakers, but to incorporate that more, if you had somebody there that had tracks and sliders and, and diffusers and mm-hmm. showed you all different. Well, let's start one. Like, why don't. <laughs> We we couldn't get somebody to to lend us a pen. Yeah. On the show, um, I just thought like there would be more of that. To Maxon have, gave like, us a pen, so they did yeah. a, a pen slash stylus. That's right. Um, but to have like Final Draft be there, right, and mm-hmm. then have somebody showing somebody who may be new to Final Draft. Yeah. How to use Final Draft and right. doing a whole somebody you know, writing a script yeah, out and sh- showing the showing formatting. you all the features of everything mm-hmm. because there's there's shit the Final Draft does that I don't I still don't know how to use right. because I just use it for what I you know I don't write plays or right. you know um, but I don't even write for even TV. within what you do I'm sure there's tons of features that you don't yeah, know that about I don't that even know about because I don't really use it but yeah. it's still nice to know you yeah. know so that that would be awesome to be able to have like a screen and they had those little they had like that one section that I felt people were just sitting in and <laughs> yeah. nothing ever happened had, like, it was the like glass. Last in, yeah. like this, uh, like a, uh, uh, was it a terrarium? They yeah. it, like of just humans. Yeah, some of them asleep, like yep. leaning over. For, I, they were just sitting there for hours. I'm like, why don't? Where are these people doing here? Nothing ever seemed to happen at that thing. We didn't see Robert De Niro either. No. So, but I'm okay with that. Robert De Niro was there. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't get it. Uh, I mean, but whatever. Uh, so, and there's there was a lot of, um, you know. There's a lot of presentations and stuff there as well, so which we didn't go see, obviously, any of those. Well, um, none but, of them were really relative to us, well, I, hadn't, I don't think. I hadn't looked through because I knew we were going to be running around interviewing and we wouldn't really have time for the presentation stuff. But they had some on, like, podcasting and filmmaking and, and that stuff. But um, we were just kind of slammed with trying to hit as many people see, as we could. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that for for a convention – you'd think that you'd send out your most personable people. Mm-hmm. And there were some people that you can tell, like the, we, they saw the mics and they just were like, don't come over here. Please don't come <laughs> over they, here. They refu- refuse eye contact with yeah. you. <laughs> it was very, very noticeable. Yeah. And I thought, well, geez, this is where you should have your most outgoing personalities yeah. to sell this product. Like a Barry Garcia. Like the Barry Garcia's. Yeah. 
and the builder case yeah. thingamajiggers. And, you know, I don't know. It was just like a whole, like, don't talk to me. <laughs> it should be like a fun thing, you know, because, I mean, I get it. You're a rep and, and you've been saying the same thing 20 times in a day. But it's like to the person that's coming up to you, this is the first yeah, time they've heard it. this was the first day and it was like noon. Yeah. And people were true. already like, don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can understand maybe day two by two o'clock, you're over it. Or even or by the end of the first like, of the day. Podcasters. Yeah, stupid podcast. We were getting a lot of stares. Like people were, mm-hmm. they'd crowd around when we were interviewing, interviewing someone. Like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. cl- clearly we're interviewing someone. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple other people doing that, though. Although I thought there'd be more. Yeah, I think there was only like two other people two that were doing people, that. Some yeah. guy who had like a massive camera. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... You know what they say about guys with big cameras. (laughs) (laughs) And just uh, FYI, Jacob Javits, your food is way overpriced. I'm sorry. I know they're not going to sponsor us anytime soon, but $10.75 for a fucking cheeseburger. Are you kidding me? It didn't even come with fries. Nothing. And I'll, Mm. I'll I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say one thing. The cheeseburger was good. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be more like cafeteria mystery meat. Sure. It was good, but it was not ten seventy five. Wasn't ten seventy five good? Like, come on. Yeah, it's not like it's that day got up in there. That day got real costly. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to pay for parking, and everybody has the event event parking, which is like sixty five bucks, and then you got to tip the guy, and yep. So that was uh, that was a, an expensive day, but it was fun. I mean, I had yeah, fun. I mean, it was fun. It was fun to just kind of experience because it's. Like being in your world, mm-hmm. you know, ooh, what is it? But I just didn't think there was a whole lot going on there. Yeah. And then like Ari was there, but I didn't, like, I didn't feel like there were, like they were presenting anything, you know, so they have a camera there, right? Well, it's, and you can spin the camera around and touch all the buttons and everything. Right. But they should have like a screen where it's more interactive. So you could be like, these are the features of the camera. And I realized we weren't standing at the booth the whole day. I don't know if maybe right. they did that. Well, ideally it would be, you would go up to the booth and then look at the camera and then talk to somebody about the camera. But you know, there's just not enough people. We had there. We had a, a rep from Ari talk to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talked to us about the light that they had, the sky panel. which is beautiful, yeah, but a, holy crap. It's amazing. Like the cost on that thing. We, we're yeah, never going to own that. <laughs> it's more expensive than my camera. Uh, yeah, it, that that one light. I mean, and it's not like it's just the light. It does several things. And the fireplace yeah, feature and everything it's was freaking amazing. wicked bright. It's, it's, but, a, it's a, I mean, you can go on with, I mean, Ari is Ari for a reason, right? It's not Ari's like. Ar- Ari is beautiful. You know, everything they do is just amazing. But, you know, it's, pra- you know, how practical for us, is it? it's yeah, not practical. It's not practical for it, us. It's just, it just costs too much for us to even consider mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, you do you. You know, if you can get six grand for a light, then get six grand for a light. Mazel tov. Who am I to say? Yeah, but I just meant, like, I wish I can. Actually, I can had. I can afford some of that stuff, yeah. right? hey Oh, God. Uh, so. Be sure to tip your waitress. I, <laughs> I was expecting some of the prices when he was going through mm-hmm. Lights. I'm like, all right, this is gonna be like five grand or something. He's like, oh, this one's fourteen hundred. I'm like, that's mm. actually not bad. I thought that was gonna be worse. Yeah. So their yeah. lights were pretty, pretty reasonable mm-hmm. um, for you know what they were giving you. Big light too, you know. So yeah. it, that that and we use ICANN. So um, we do, yeah. You know that we we do like that company. It's not just because we use them, but they seemed more of like, hey, you know, if you're serious about filmmaking, you want to save up and get a nice light. It's like a this mid-level is a great yeah. light for you to get if you're, you know, you you started out. You got. I don't even say it's mid-level. You haven't 
It's probably yeah. mid to upper level. Yeah, well, we you haven't dogged on Best Buy in a while, so I'll say yeah. you get your Best Buy camera, you did your yeah. film, right? Yeah, you yeah. used your Home Depot lights. We're going to drag them into this, into this yeah. shit storm too. Best Buy and Home Depot filmmaking. You got all your shitty starts. equipment, yeah. and you already get how that works, kind of, and so you you know you step up and maybe somebody lends you some like crappy light or whatever. Or you rent one, and now you want to upgrade to get mm-hmm. real lights and you know actually start lighting your scenes. Mm-hmm. This is a possibility. You know, you got to save up. Yeah. You know, but you can afford that. Whereas, like, Ari's great, but that that's a problem, is right? That's, You'll that's, get people that Hollywood will buy stuff. that light and not even freaking need it. Because here's the thing. That light is great. And if they gave us that light, thank you. Yeah, seriously. Awesome. You listen. But to think of how often we would need so many of those features, that's beautiful, right? But it's like... To justify the costs, mm-hmm. well, it does cop lights, it does this. It's like, okay, but you know what? Here's the thing. We're gorilla. If you're creative, you can do cop lights on your own. You really don't have to spend over $6,000 right. on a light. But then you'll have people out there like the, I want to be a, fil- a filmmaker. I know nothing about cameras. Right. I'm buying a red. That will buy that light. Right. Well, yeah. I got the light. You know? yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's big production houses that are, it's literally on a set every day. So you're going to come yeah. into the uh, a scenario where you're going to need a campfire light or uh, a cop light all the time, and and those features are in other less expensive lights yeah. too. That's you know that yeah. feature alone isn't what makes the light. What makes the light is the uh, you know the 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 light quality. It's super bright. It's you know there's you have the app that's pretty intuitive and crazy. Uh, so there's a lot of things that go into it, but. Even if you were like, I need a light that does cop lights, you can find a light that does cop lights that mm-hmm. are, you know, that's not going to break the bank. Well, that's why I said I feel I felt like it was more geared towards broadcasting and larger budget productions. People that well, those things, yeah, those things that, always are. You're never no, going to have whole, like the whole like the, I'm saying as a whole nab. The equipment and stuff that was mm-hmm. there seemed more for like broadcasting. And if you're, if you're, if you, there's monetary gain on your set, then that light, that Ari light's going to pay for itself pretty soon. But oh, for yeah. us, yeah. by the time that light paid for itself, there would, there'll have been four other lights that came out that, yeah, that'll, if you're a big studio, put the kibosh that, on that one. So you'll make back what you pay for that light yeah. in, in a movie or two. And that's not, not a problem. I just felt like a, I felt like a hobo. Yeah, I felt like a hobo filmmaker. They're like, we can't afford any of this stuff. <laughs> Except when you went over to my case building. Now you're like, these yeah, are like, my people. This we we can you know we can if, work with this. If I eat peanut butter and jelly for like four weeks straight, could probably get this case. Yeah, but everything else it's, is well, you know, early. It's, it's you know goes into the whole. Are like, you just picking your teeth? I have something in, in front in of the mic. Driving me nuts. <laughs> All I hear is like, I got it. It's attractive. I love you. <laughs> nope, all right well that can, <laughs> by all means do finish the job yeah would you like me to get you a toothpick or some nope. floss there bud i'm good okay um well i guess that concludes our episode yeah so we went that to nab we're NAB grateful that up. we got to be able to i don't want to seem like an like an ingrate but if we're just being honest our, our job is to review stuff i felt like it wasn't really geared towards indie and like super indie and, yeah. and micro budgets wasn't a whole lot for I don't think those things there. are because a lot of those companies that sell things affordable don't really have a high margin. And so how can they afford a booth at something like that? You know? I mean, whatever. Although but even the equipment, like we have a black magic, right? And the black magic that he showed us was like what, like what, nineteen hundred dollars or fifteen? Twelve hundred. Twelve that's nothing. Yeah. 
You yeah, know? but they so also sell the do, other cameras. They sell You do software. have equipment there that's affordable. Like, why not that's have true. stuff for every budget? Hey, this yeah. is this, and, you know, and this goes yeah. all the way up to $10,000. Put, put the lower budget people in the back. It's fine. We'll Something. make our way we'll there. Find, I'll find them. Yeah. Give them some good swag. So I'm saying we'll make our own, you know. It'll be at our house. Yeah, I have too much crap to do, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we got enough stuff to do. Uh, so shout out to, this is another long episode, shout out to uh, Reality Bomb Comic Cast yep. and Steady, Steady Geekin, Geekin and uh, Mr. Perry Horovis, who we did interview. and uh, uh, We did interview and we hugged him. And we always hug Perry. Yeah. He's a huggable kind of guy. So now everybody knows. He's a huggable dude. Yeah. Um, and um, shout out to... Rocky DeVito from Burn to Earn Productions. For filming. For yeah, filming so us. my man brought down his camera and his audio equipment and just lugged everything around for us. He's a huge shout out. Yep. I'd be surprised if he made it this far in the episode, though. <laughs> <Bro, laughs> he awesome about he it. has no idea that this shout out even exists <laughs> yeah. right now because he's like, shut up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that, was our, that concludes our episode for mm-hmm. this week. Yes. And uh, what do we have going on next week? Do you have um, stuff going on next week? Yeah, maybe a big one, but I don't know yet. Oh, yeah. Working, yeah. working on something no, big, I'm not but even going to say it because yeah. I, I, if it happens, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, but we do have some we do have some guests yeah. lined up. Other guests coming up, sure. Yeah. Through, I think, almost till into November. I mean, we have a couple solo I saw episodes. I in December. On this, um, on I think schedule. it was one in December. One in December, yeah. Um, but it's you know it's difficult because I reach out to I reach out to people and um, you know I, I try to get I hate saying like oh this person's really prolific in their work but you know I I I, I want to interview people that have done several films that have you know, been doing this sure. and can really like offer their wisdom and all that and as great as that is unfortunately it's close to impossible for those people to schedule something a month away. They don't know what the hell they're going to be doing in a month. So I have a lot of tentative Mm -hmm. people marked They'll do it, but then it's like, you know, if the time comes, it it may be pushed a week or two here and there. Usually like the week before, I'll reach out again and be Mm -hmm. like, hey, how's next weekend looking? And they're like, I'm going to be on set here or there or whatever. busy doing cool things. I actually listened to your podcast and I don't want to be on this fucking show anymore. Uh, But yeah, so so that all all can be tricky. That's why I kind of... Unless I know for sure that someone's going to be on, I try not to say it. Yeah. Okay. So well. yeah, if you stuck with us, well, hopefully I'll edit this down so it's not as long as it looks on that screen. Cool. I have to edit a bunch out. Cool, cool, cool. To make it digestible. Digestible. Yeah. I'm so glad that that's what that's what we aspire to be. Digestible. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right. Till next week. Bye bye. Oh oh. Well, sorry. Oh, oh. No, don't go. Oh. We're, are you there? Are you still there? All right, come good. Back, come back, Jack. Come back. Um, we will be at the the Mystic Film Fest. Yes. So we got accepted in the Mystic call, Film sorry. Fest, and we're going to be there on Sunday. So when this is being released, we'll be there. Yes. We'll physically be there. So if you're listening to this on Sunday night, we're in Mystic, Mother Lovers. Is this getting released before then? I think you're going to... Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so shout out to Mystic Film Fest, and if you're going to be in the area, mm-hmm. come check us out. We're playing our film is playing in the library. 
I think I so. On, on Sunday. Sunday. Well, it's called The Gaffer. So just look up The Gaffer on their website. Mm-hmm. I believe it's on Sunday at around 1 o'clock, I want to say, somewhere yeah. around that time. But we'll be there a little earlier to yep. watch other we'll be We'll be Instagramming and tweeting about it all. Yeah. So, so for our Connecticut peeps that are in that area of Connecticut. Do it. Do it. <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. We couldn't decide on a song. We love them. We couldn't decide on a song. We love them. Couldn't decide on a song, so we came up with this one.